Hey, this is Lee. I really hope you've been enjoying the Business of Marketing podcast. It's from marketers and for marketers, and my intention is to bring you value, experiences, and insights that you can use. Also, if your company would like to have their own podcast, I would love to help. The team at Content Monster specializes in B2B podcasts. So if we can help, contact me at contentmonster.com. That's contentmonster, M-O-N-S-T-A.com. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Business of Marketing Podcast where we have conversations with some of the most influential and thought-provoking minds in marketing, sales, and business. And here's your host, A. Lee Judge. Once again, welcome to the Business of Marketing. I'm A. Lee Judge. I have the pleasure once again to talk with my friend, Mark Schaefer, when we spoke last, I'm sure you've, hopefully you've seen or heard the last episode when we spoke about a year or two ago. And on that episode, I promised I would take care and to read his next book. I think I just received it, uh, The Cumulative Advantage. Uh, I've since read it. It's been a year or so has gone by, but now we're finally back and we have a chance to talk about it. So, Mark, hello and welcome to the podcast again. It is great to see you again. You as well. So... The cumulative advantage, you know, I, I peeked back in on the the book this morning, um, and I realized the first thing, one of the summaries of the book was that it was a marketing book. And as I thought back on, I was like, you know what? I don't remember. How do I tie this into the business of marketing? Because the lessons I learned from the book didn't feel like marketing, <laughs> but they, I could definitely apply them to marketing, but it didn't feel like marketing. And then I went back to the preface of the book, and it actually said that it was for marketing. So before we get into the book too far, I mean, tell, tell us a bit about the book and why and how it relates to marketing. Yeah, your comment's interesting. I was interviewed by a friend of mine in Australia and he said, you know, I read your book. It's a great business book. And I realized at the end, you're also teaching us how to be better human beings. You're very sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the, here's the main problem that the book solves. I mean, this is my, my ninth book and I don't have a strategy to write books. I don't think, oh my gosh, it's time for me to write a book. I only write a book when I see that there's a big problem in the world that I don't understand. If I can figure out this problem, this will help a lot of people, my customers and the people who are my students in my classes. And I think the biggest problem we face as marketers today, I think the number one question on our minds is how can we be heard? How do we stand out? How can we be seen? How can we be discovered? And it's hard. It's really, really hard because the world is just being flooded with so much competition, so much content. How do we rise above the noise? Now, I sort of get obsessed with questions like this because I don't want to be a consultant that says, oh, well, the world is hard, too bad. <laughs> I want to figure out what do we do. So what if you are doing your best work and you just are stuck and you, and, and you don't know how to get, you know, gain momentum and get to the next level? And that led me to study 
the art and science of momentum. How do you really build momentum? And it turns out there is a lot of research on this subject in the field of sociology that goes all the way back to the 1960s. But no one has really applied that to real lives and businesses. It's been kind of stuck in in academia. As far as I know, Malcolm Gladwell made one small reference to this research in, uh, I think it was the tipping point. Other than that, no one has really explored decades and decades of research and applied it to our lives. And that's what the book is about. How does momentum really work? And there's a pattern. Mm -hmm. And I think once people understand it and see this pattern, they'll never see the world the same way again. They'll keep seeing this pattern over and over again when they meet someone who's successful, when they meet or they learn about a successful business, and you learn about the history of that person or that business, this pattern will emerge. So that pattern, you present it with several stories that I definitely remember, starting with one with the Winklevoss twins uh, Mm -hmm. and their journey with Facebook and then crypto and how these these interactions and not not just interactions throughout their life, but where they started, they started mm-hmm. at a point which already gave them some bit of an advantage. Right. So how can we apply that to our business and our marketing? Whereas maybe we don't recognize we have an advantage. And if we do recognize that, how do we build upon that? Well, I think this is one of the ways that I think this book is really a book of hope because The Winklevoss story was like an extreme example to show these people, you know, they were millionaires. I mean, they were born millionaires practically, right? They went to all the Mm -hmm. best schools and all the secret clubs and societies. And how in the world could they ever lose with that kind of advantage? And most people don't have that built-in advantage. But an initial advantage that can lead to momentum does not have to be money, does not have to be education. It can be who you are, where you are, what are your resources, what are your your ideas? And And the trick is looking at the advantages you have and applying it, pursuing it, and and applying it to a something that's shifting in the world where you can fit. So you apply this to a fracture in the status quo. And this is one of the reasons why this book is so important now, because arguably the pandemic was the biggest fracture in the status quo in the history of the world. Everything is being reimagined, renegotiated, how we work, where we work, when we work, you know, arguably maybe even if we work for a lot of people today, how we learn, how we teach, how we uh, travel the types of trips we take. Do we wear a mask or not wear a mask? Uh, The psychology of consumers has changed a lot. And all of these shifts represent an opportunity because it represents new unmet or underserved needs. And maybe you have some advantage that, uh, that will fit. Now, let me give you just a quick example of how this works. Okay. This is from my own life. So 
when COVID hit, uh, you and I were talking before you hit record. I got sick. I was an early adopter of COVID. I got really sick. And when I awoke from my haze, I realized my business had gone to zero. And the world didn't need marketing advice anymore. And I went through this period of introspection to figure out what really is my advantage. What do I do? What do I have? What are my resources that's special in this world? And I realized that I am a teacher. I am a really good teacher. But the world needed me to teach something else. So I stopped creating content about marketing. I started doing live streaming and started blogging about how do we handle this anxiety? How do we handle this uncertainty? How do we handle this disruption and not knowing what's going to be next? And people told me, this is the most helpful content I've seen since this whole thing started. Mm. So I wrapped up my best articles into an ebook called Fight to the Other Side. Gave it away for free. And on the last page of the ebook, it has said, if you were inspired by the ideas in this ebook, think how much you're going to love bringing Mark Schaefer to inspire your team in your boring company Zoom meeting. <laughs> and by July, I was having record months. Wow. Now, because look at what I did. Here was my initial advantage. I was a teacher. What's the fracture in the status quo? What had changed? Boring Zoom meetings. That, that they didn't exist before the pandemic or not to the extent. The pandemic mm -hmm. created a new need. We're dying on these Zoom meetings. Please, someone come in and shake things up a little bit. And so it didn't last forever. I'm not doing those anymore. So I saw this shift in the status quo. It was an opportunity. And so I jumped into that opportunity as fast as I could with all of my ability. And now the key for strategy today is to keep looking at what's the next shift? What's the next shift? Where do I belong now? It's not thinking about how am I going to make money two years from now? It's about how do I fit in the world right now? How do I meet the needs of people in this moment and burst through that opportunity with all your power and all your speed for as long as you can. So is it fair to build upon that to say, take what you have now, see how you can use this to build upon that for the next thing? Because you may not be doing the same thing for a long time, but you take whatever you're doing and build upon it for the next thing. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a good way to, to look at it. I think the days of creating a two-year strategy or a three-year strategy, it's, it's just over. The world is changing so rapidly and in so many unexpected ways that if we have a two-year script or a three-year script we're going to try to follow, we're going to lose out on the opportunities that are being handed to us uh, in the moment that may make a lot of money for us in the next six months or a year. And it doesn't mean that you're, uh, you know, that you're a chameleon, that you're morphing into new things. 
It, it means being aware of what are your resources? What are your advantages? What are the core competencies? And instead of reinventing yourself, it's saying, an example that I use in my speeches is like, you're a surfer. You have a really good surfboard, right? Those are your abilities to survive in the world. You don't need a new surfboard all the time. You just need a new wave. Mm. And waves are coming at you all the time. The key to success is just being aware, watching these waves. Look what's happening in the news. Look what's happening in the headlines. How are people changing? How are people, you know, how are they suffering today? How can we meet those needs? How are buying behaviors changing? Where are they buying? How, you know, so there's, it's, it's, it, there's endless possibilities. That reminds me of something that someone who, in the marketing world might be considered quite controversial, but this thing that he said really stuck with me, which is something that Gary Vaynerchuk said about business, which was to try to put yourself out of business, which sounds really confusing at first, but after I dug into what he meant, it was basically someone will, someone will innovate enough to put you out of business. Yeah. So why don't you do it yourself? Innovate yourself enough to put mm -hmm. yourself out of business. And that makes me realize that with my business, no matter how good it's going, this may not always last. Right. That we have to have within our own company, what is the next thing that our customers need? Because we or some other one, some other company may, may fulfill this current need. Yeah. And so what's next? So, but, you're, but I think you're a good example. So, for example, you know, I think you have every opportunity to be successful as long as you want. However, Right now, there are many companies who are worried about a possible recession and they're starting to cut back on their marketing. Now, one of your specialties is repurposing content in creative ways, right? Now, so you might fill that need. Say, look, is your marketing budget going down? We can help you repurpose the stuff you already have and save so much money in this period of economic uncertainty. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You have a good surfboard. You just need to catch the new wave because there's a new wave of uncertainty, a new wave of fear. And you can fill that with the, the basic competencies you already have. Absolutely. So I want to ask you, I want to make sure, and this, this is a horrible segue, but it's from the book and I really <laughs> wanted to... Uh, Make sure I didn't miss it. Um, so as I'm listening, listening, I read, that's how I consume my listen. As I listen to the book, now the book is about cumulative advantage, and you talk about these, you know, these big stories like the Winklevoss twins and other stories about people who um, you point out what their advantages were and how they took advantage of those, perhaps what I call unfair advantages. We all have our unfair advantages. My unfair advantage is I, have, I don't mind speaking. I don't mind being in front of a camera. I don't mind being on stage. That terrifies some people. Right. To me, exactly. I enjoy it. So yep. that's my unfair advantage. Right. Um, and as you went through the book and, and made note of some of these things, um, a lot of those things that were advantages were just simply privileges. Yeah. And I said to myself, I wonder if Mark will get through this book without mentioning privilege because this is a lot of these things are just praying privilege which right. 
people don't like to acknowledge privilege. It's like a dirty word, even if it's just an unfair advantage. Um, so, did, so did I get to it? You did. You did. <laughs> Very did. carefully. You yeah. know, I, I listened and I, I, I go, well played, Mark, because you, you didn't avoid it. You addressed it. You avoided controversy, but you didn't avoid the, the existence of it. And I admired that you, that you addressed it. Well, that, you know, this is the sort of the surprise that's in the last chapter of the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because the, the, the book is, ba- is more or less over in chapter nine, but then there's a chapter 10. And the thing that haunted me is, so I do a lot of work uh, mentoring uh, children who are in uh, economically challenged situations. I've been doing this for about 15 years. And so I had two audiences in my, in my mind. Here are the people who, who love my books, and here are the people in this community where I do this work every week. And I, I just became infuriated realizing that almost any business book or anything that could be characterized as a self-help book is elite. It's elitist. It's not accessible to everyone because you're assuming people can buy the book or they can have enough time to absorb it and use it, or they have the resources to really enact it. And so it's, it's something that's deep, 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 deep in my heart. And, and so my goal at the end of the book was to, you know, here's what I struggled with, Lee. Now that we know how momentum really works, how do we activate this in a way that can really help other people. It took me three months to write that last chapter. It was mm. the hardest piece of writing I've ever done in my life. Because it was different. Yeah, I, I didn't want it to be divisive. I wanted it to be healing. And I wanted to give people hope to say, here's what starts momentum. Sparks of initiative, sparks of hope. That is something all of us can do is to, is, is, is to use the resources we have to spend time creating hope and, and, and creating sparks of momentum in others. You know, I, 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 I did, there was a student, I never say no to students, drives my wife crazy. I spend so much time uh, if a student, they're doing a school project, even in high school, and I'll get an email and they say, Mr. Schaefer, I'm doing this project and we want to interview for something about marketing or branding or whatever. I always say, yes, I spent an hour talking to you know, a, a young woman in Nashville yesterday because I, I never know how something I do or something I say will send a ripple through history by changing that person in some little way. And this is accessible to all of us. So I think it is actionable. I think it is a book of hope. And I think there is a way to use this new knowledge and this pattern of momentum to help and to change the world in little ways that lead to small, that that lead to big changes. Excellent. So, to, to wrap up back on back on the marketing and because the, the book is definitely marketing and even though you know it has a lot of humanitarianism it has a lot of 
um, social psychology, it, it all can be used from a human standpoint to be a better marketer. Mm-hmm. So to to fulfill my goal to to serve marketers on this podcast, I want to make sure we bring it back a little bit to that. Um, so if I were to summarize, you know, a lot of your, your writings, whether it be known, uh, marketing rebellion, cumulative advantage, they, they all kind of, they, they do definitely tie into, to marketing in, in the aspect of, especially the personal branding aspect. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, and I've seen, you know, with any, with any thought process, once it gets popular, you'll begin to get people who say, oh, that's, I'm so tired of that phrase, or it's done with, or there's no such thing anymore, or whatever. Yeah. And, and I've heard that begin being said about personal branding. For sure. But at the same time, we all know it still works, and it's still a thing, and it's very effective. Um, and so what do you think, since it's become more prevalent, what do you think about... Pr- the idea of being known today in 2022, how has that changed? How has the idea of having a personal brand um, for your own personal marketing, how has that changed in the past few years? And what do you say to those who say it's a bit overplayed? There, uh, I think it was in December. Um, Adam Grant, who is a great writer and thinker and social uh, organizational writer, um, he sent out a tweet that was something like, um, it seems so fruitless to work on your personal brand. Uh, why wouldn't you work on, you know, meaningful business connections or blah, blah, blah. So basically he was dismissing this idea of the personal brand. And this thing was like retweeted thousands and thousands of times and commented on thousands and thousands of times. And the irony is, he couldn't have that impact unless he didn't have a personal brand. He was known. <laughs> it's yeah. the dumbest thing ever. And I can guarantee you, because of his productivity level, he's got a social media team behind him somewhere churning this stuff out, keeping him in front of people. And he would not have that platform. He would not have that audience. He would not sell those books. He would not get the top speaking fee unless he was known, period. End of story. To say that a personal brand is silly is ridiculous. In my mind, to answer your question, Lee, today, having a personal brand is more important than ever. It's almost everything in marketing. Um, I could make an argument that increasingly the personal brand is the brand. What's the brand of Tesla? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. All right. It is. It's everything. So, and that's an extreme example, but I think for many businesses, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's coming true. You know, we don't see traditional advertising. We don't believe traditional advertising. Who do we trust? Who do we believe? Each other. We believe people. We want to know who are these people at these companies? What do they do? Bit, what do they it's believe ironic. in? I think it's a bit ironic to, for him to say that when yeah. at the same time 
we're also saying that marketing should be authentic. It should be personal. Yeah. How does a brand become authentic and personal without a person exactly. in front of it? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just something that's, that's made up. And, yeah. and, and I've, you know, I've had requests lately from brands yeah. who've requested for me to come help them help their executives create more content. Yeah. Because they realize that their brand. Work, that's a lot of my work right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, yeah. they don't realize that they, they're realizing companies and brands are realizing that all we have is a logo. We don't yeah. have an e, uh, um, Elon Musk. We don't have a Bill yeah. Gates in front of us to say, you know, to have a face. And so as these corporations are looking to build a face, that face, when they identify that person, that person has to have a brand. Guess what? Nobody falls in love with a logo. Yeah. Nobody's gonna, no one's going to pay money to see a logo speak at an event, right? So it, it is about, you know, the, the subtitle of my book, Marketing Rebellion, is the most human company wins. And, mm. and, and, the, and, and you, I think you hit it very well, Lee, when you said that how do you establish that human voice in a company? What is a human voice? What's a, what's a voice of a friend? It's someone who's empathetic, sympathetic, maybe even vulnerable. That is not going to come from an advertising agency. And, and, you know, look, Elon Musk is not a perfect person, but, you know, he's a real person. And he even shows his problems out in public. And you may not, you know, you, you may not like him, but a lot of people respect him as the greatest entrepreneur of our generation and someone who's real. And that's why Mercedes-Benz spends, on, on average, $945 in advertising for each car they sell. Tesla has no advertising budget. They have no advertising department. And because as you mentioned it, I can't put a brand. person on Mercedes. I cannot yeah. think of anything yeah. but the logo, yeah. who not do you, a single who, person. Who do you love at Verizon? Who do you love at Procter <laughs> & Gamble? There isn't anybody. But that's where the opportunity is in, in marketing today. Not just for, you know, entrepreneurs like me and you. Not just for small business owners. But really, at the corporate level, increasingly the personal brand is, is, is the brand. You know, and that comes with new challenges, uh, new ways of thinking about business and marketing. But I'm working with one of the biggest companies in the world right now, doing personal branding uh, training with their executives. They're reimagining their whole marketing department that says, instead of us being a megaphone that no one listens to anyway, why don't we take our marketing department and surround these executives with every resource they, they need to become known? Mm. That is what we're, that's how we're going to succeed. So what did you say a moment ago? So that's, that's the new marketing angle? That's I think it's a very, I, I, I think that's a major, it, it, it should be a major shift. I think there are a lot of obstacles that are keeping that from happening. There's, you know, we have these relationships like with advertising agencies, you know, and, you know, we, we like our buddies at the advertising agency and we don't want that to go away, but it, 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 we, there's a new mindset required to succeed in marketing today. And, 
uh, it's 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 going to be a while to, to 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 for people to wake up and realize that the old ways don't work anymore. Well, that is a great note to end on because that's prophetic of where we're headed with marketing, and that the personal brand has to be a part of we think a corporate strategy going forward with marketing if they want to be successful. So. Yeah. Mark Schaefer, thanks again. Before we go, tell us what's new with you, what's what's cooking, and, and how we can find you. Well, it's easy to find me. You don't have to remember how to spell Schaefer. You just remember, need to remember businesses grow. If you can remember that, you can find my website, and you can find uh, my blog, my podcast, my books, all my social media connections. Uh, I think the, the two things that are, are so exciting for me is that um, coming out of the pandemic, I was able to uh, resurrect my live marketing retreat called The Uprising. And truly, Lee, this is the best thing I've done in my career. It, it, right. It's just, it changes people's lives, lives. Many people have said it's the best marketing event they've ever been to. It's, it's a small, I limit it to 30 people. We go in the woods in the lodge for two and a half days and we, we, we learn about the future of marketing together. And uh, I am working on a new book and I think it's very much um, in the same uh, tone as, as cumulative advantage in terms of look at the world today. What are the big things changing in the world today? And, you know, what are the big mega trends and how does marketing need to respond? And I think it's going to surprise some people because there's some things brewing out, out, out there after the pandemic um, that maybe people didn't consider. It's going to change the way we need to relate and connect to people. And um, so that's, I'm working on that. And um, hopefully it'll be out early in 2023. Okay. Looking forward to it. So that'll be an excuse to talk to you again on your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Promise it. All right. Well, thanks again, Mark. And to the listeners, thanks for listening. And if you want to see Mark and I, it will be available on the podcast section of contentmaster.com. Again, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Business of Marketing podcast, a show brought to you by contentmonster.com, the producer of B2B digital marketing content. Show notes can be found on contentmonster.com as well as aleejudge.com. To continue the conversation, be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast platform.